Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the People Plus Art Podcast. We are back. I know there's been a huge amount of time since our last episode, but we're back. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to share this interview with this amazing musician that I have for you. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to share some events happening in the San Diego area, in the Southern California area, if you happen to be close uh, or want to travel out to see some amazing live music. The first is going to be featuring Maracuya. So Maracuya is a 20-plus piece orchestra uh, performing timba music. So that's a Cuban dance music. And we're going to be having a show on July 22nd of this month. July 22nd, 2023. Please come out and support. Pre-sale is now available. Please check out Maracuya Band, M-A-R-A-C-U-Y-A-B-A-N-D, on Instagram for more information. The second is going to be on August 12th. That's going to be featuring my own band, Kini Kini. Uh, this is a series of events that we put together called Salsa Interactiva. The idea is we feature different dance schools, salsa dance schools here in the Southern, uh, Southern California and San Diego areas. Uh, the idea is I write the music, original music. Uh, the founders of this of each dance school that we feature then do original choreography all of this is then posted and shared via social media so that all of the audience audience members can then learn this and perform it live with us on that day that's going to happen again on august 12th please check out kini kini music on instagram that's k-i-n-i-k-i-n-i underscore m-u-s-i-c for more information Pre-sales for that event are also available now. Make sure to get your tickets. Also, make sure to check out Gandinga Productions on Instagram for official Gandinga merchandise and everything People Plus Heart as well. I'll put all of these links on our show notes so you can get right to them as soon as possible. Before we get started, I just want to extend a very warm thanks to everyone who supports this podcast, to everyone who's been listening. Uh, to everyone who's been emailing me and asking me when the next episode is going to come out. That kind of support means the world to me, and it also directly shows me that these kind of stories are hitting a chord <laughs> with all of you and and uh, that you all are seeing the the value that I see in these stories, and, and I appreciate that very much. And I'm sure, speaking on behalf of all of my guests, that they appreciate that very much as well. So thank you so much. Let's get right into this interview with the amazing Andre Pivek. He's a fantastic musician with an amazing story, uh, something that I would call polycultural, very much so. Again, that has to do with understanding how people are operating within multiple cultural realities all at once and how these multiple cultural realities can give us this diversity that I feel that we're all kind of searching for and that we're all kind of welcoming and looking for in this very globalized, interconnected world that we live in. Uh, Andre is no exception to that. And if anything, his music and his thoughts and his philosophies exemplify a lot of what that is. Uh, and I appreciate it very much. I find so much value and so much insight in everything that he shares with us. Let's get right into it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Andre. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So this is People Plus Art. We met briefly for Alan Harris's project, Kate Soul Food. Mm -hmm. And of course, as we're gonna get into all of this, you're a fantastic musician. Thank I respect you. you so much, but also I think your story is pretty amazing and the projects that you have coming up and the projects that I saw online when I was doing my research on you are tremendous. So one of the questions that I love to start off these conversations with, where is home for you? <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Currently, I would say home is the road. 
So kind of living out of a suitcase mm -hmm. and, and being in different places. It took me a long time to get used to. Now I'm definitely used to it. <laughs> and it's uh, probably going to stay like that for a little while. I've lived in New York for almost 12 years. So that definitely has become a home for me. I spent the COVID year where I'm from, which is Prague, Czech mm -hmm. Republic. And that's a home too. So I think I have multiple homes. Okay, that's uh, great. Yeah. That's fantastic. You're a global citizen. I think I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I hope we all strive to be. Home uh, in many, many different places, you know? I mean, it's... it's Home is where you have people that you like, right? True. You know, people that, that you are kind of vibing on the same frequency. And mm -hmm. What I've learned in my years of travel is you have to actively seek those people. Or if they come your way, you kind of hold on to them. And uh, that way you can have a home pretty much anywhere. I think one of the things everyone is just longing for is to be seen and accepted for who they are. Not all the time is that really connected to a place or even biology. Sometimes that's people who you meet that have nothing to do with you and who you are, but see you and accept you for who you are. And that's home. Right. So you play this instrument called an organ, right? Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would mistake for being a piano. Sometimes people do. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. right? I it's mean, like a weird looking double keyboard piano. So number one, explain what the organ is. For someone who has not been around organs or don't know the difference between pianos, organs, or even keyboards, what is that? And how did you get into playing organ? So I play a specific type of organ. I play the mm -hmm. Hammond organ. Invented, I think, in the 30s mm -hmm. by this guy, Lawrence Hammond. And he was trying to create a replacement for the church pipe organ. Totally didn't work out. He came up with something completely different. Yeah. But it, it helped create certain musical genres. So it's a very specific sound in rock music and gospel music and soul music and jazz. It helped form a lot of sounds. I want to say it actually co-created some musical styles. The main difference, well, there's a few main differences. One of them being the keyboard action. The piano has a hammer action. You kind of have to forcefully hit it because there's hammers to get a tone out of it. Organ is it's a very soft touch it's because there's just, it's switches underneath. There's like a stick that pushes yeah. nine switches down and it's they're like these little metal tongues that mm -hmm. just push down. So that would be the first difference. Second difference is there is infinite sustain as long as you're holding oh, okay. the note down. Third difference is the keys are not dynamic. You're adding dynamic to the sound by using what they call drawbars. They mm -hmm. reflected the, the stops on a, on a pipe organ. They're even called, it's like a footage of the actual organ pipes. They're adding harmonics. Wow. With with those drawbars. So by doing different drawbar, by having different drawbar settings, you're adding dynamic to the tone, and then you have an expression pedal. Wow. Expression pedal is essentially volume, but it also does things to the tone. So you're using that to kind of add breath. I had no idea it was this complicated. Sound, yeah. I didn't it's, know. it's very involved. Other difference would be there's two keyboards, two so-called manuals, mm -hmm. and then there's a third one for your for your feet, for your left foot specifically, because okay. your right foot is on the expression pedal kind of constantly. So your right foot is doing this on the expression pedal. Your left foot is, if you have no bass player, walking or, or playing the bass note, and then your two hands are playing, are playing the chords and, and solo lines. And okay, so for anyone who has ever seen a band live, there's one person playing a guitar-like instrument that the bass and then you have a piano player this instrument can play both of those people's roles in one depending how good the player is <laughs> so when Hannon started producing these organs especially a little later like in the 50s 60s he started putting in like little rhythm boxes in there mm -hmm. and stuff like that and bands that play in played in restaurants would get fired the restaurant owner would buy a hand and tell the piano player or keyboard player like if you if you learn this you keep the gig so then it would end up being just the organ player and singer <laughs> you can fire the band because yeah. the organ player is supposed to cover all of it okay. which then created you know these people that the and that and then church obviously mm -hmm. church musicians um, took it to a whole another 
So all of a sudden you have people that can cover the bass parts, the harmony parts, and some melody, which is insanity. So whenever someone sees an organ player, they should. this is all important because for most people when they see musicians playing, it's like, oh, they're having fun, usually they're smiling, all this kind of stuff. There's infinite amounts of complexity, you know, and especially for an instrument like the organ where you're responsible for all these different roles. It's very, very difficult. It takes decades to be able to do what you do. It takes a while to figure it out. And then on top of that, to get to the level that you're at, which is, of course, I mean, beyond mastery, it's like expression because it's one thing to learn the technical aspect of the instrument. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to be able to command whatever technique you have to be able to fit the situation and then there's everything beyond that which is just like expression right very interesting what i'm finding lately you don't necessarily have to have one to have the other there are some musicians that and this applies specifically to singers songwriters you don't have to have like chops chops mm -hmm. as long as it, as it feels good and you're able to generate an emotion i think that's like the most important thing ever it is so that's for me when i listen to someone like you there's this step of like technique know-how and then expression right which is wonderful and it's for me at least it's the goal and i know for a lot of the musicians that i look up to and a lot of my peers we all look up to it's people who can do this kind of stuff just express and be able to connect with whoever is listening but it's important to also explain everything behind that connection i mean there's many videos of you of course on youtube playing and you look so relaxed when you're playing were you actually yeah were you playing with yeah. your feet and everything the organ videos I'm playing with my feet. Yeah. Wow, incredible. So how did you get into this? Were you from a musical family? Was there like a huge gospel jazz scene where you're from? Neither of those things, really. <laughs> you know, my mom played a little piano. My, my dad played a little recorder and guitar, but they were not professional musicians. I would not say I come from a musical family. It was never like a thing in our family. I just loved it too much. Was there a moment when you heard it and you were like, oh my was God. Was there a moment? Well, for the organ there was. Uh, I remember being 12 years old and we just got a new English teacher. This guy, Dennis, we're friends till this day. He's a little older now. He spent most of his life, or most of his adult life, in Canada. Mm -hmm. He, you know, during communism, some people would, were able to escape. Okay. So he was on his way to Cuba, and then the plane needed to refuel in Switzerland or something. This is 90s? This is like 60s. 60s, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, through France, he ended up in Canada. He's a great musician, plays bass and keys, and he collected a lot of music, so he brought a lot of CDs with him back to the Czech Republic. And then when he saw that I was actually interested in, in music, he would then record these CDs on cassettes. And one of the records he gave me was Jimmy Smith. And I heard the sound, like, what is this? This is amazing. Ever since then, I was kind of just like gravitating towards that sound. Was there an organ anywhere? No, that was the other thing. If there was, I had no access to it mm -hmm. at that at that time, mm -hmm. I did buy the first Nord Electro. It did have an organ emulation on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, today is much more advanced. But, you know, it was pretty good. It was close enough. It had a digital version of these draw bars. It kind of, you know, the principle was like the organ. You can, it was funny, it was just 61 keys because the Hammond has two times 61 keys. This was only one times 61 keys. So I had to split it to like simulate <laughs> the two manuals. Yeah. And I had no bass pedal, so I played the bass with my left hand. Yeah. But that's what kind of taught me the whole concept. Getting into of, it. Of, yeah, splitting the sound, splitting my brain, playing bass with one hand. And, and everything else with the other. And how were you with this uh, at this time? 18. And the guitar player that already was gigging quite a lot around Prague hired me mm -hmm. to play in his band. So. Organ. Before, yeah, to play organ in his trio, in his jazz trio. So before I graduated, I started playing gigs around Prague already. Nice. Kind of started making a little bit of money playing music. Mm -hmm. So it kind of chose me. I just never yeah. 
Yeah. It's the best feeling, you know, when you just mm, yeah. feel something, you're like, what is this? What kind of, you know? Yeah. Did you go to school for music after that? You said you were 18. Yeah. Yeah. I did go to, um, there was a jazz conservatory, but I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So I just ended up going for like six months. Then they opened a jazz college, which was like a three-year program. And I ended up going to this jazz college. And that was really good. Mm -hmm. That was really useful. They were heavy on ear training. They were heavy on how to write charts for a band. Some of the teachers have studied at Berklee College of Music, so they oh, kind nice. of brought that, that type of knowledge. It was very good. It was very good. I think it, that school generated a, a few. It improved the overall scene nice. in the Czech Republic. Actually. So what, where was the move from jazz to like gospel and soul and funk and all this other stuff? They're related. But yeah. very different, you know, the tradition. That happened in New York 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah, I came to New York and it was a complete shock for me because mm -hmm. I saw music in a way that I hadn't seen it ever before. Mm -hmm. Especially in church, in at this music venue called the Village Underground. It doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Or, I mean, it, it exists, but it's a comedy club now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they had these open mics on Sundays and Mondays, and specifically Sundays was just on fire. I love wow. the band. Half the band was uh, Whitney Houston's former band. These guys knew so much music, and these singers would come through and just, ah, it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and I stayed mainly for that. I came to New York to hang out in the jazz scene with mm -hmm. like the jazz musicians. Mm -hmm. And while that was really nice, and, and they're really, really good, it didn't really move me as much. I was like, okay, I can... Try to get on that level and struggle, <laughs> but it wasn't life changing. And then I went to church and then visited this this specific club mm -hmm. on the same day. Oh, my Sunday God. morning in church and Sunday night in this club, and it changed my life. I was like, I I can never leave. Talk to us a little bit about that church experience. I've heard so much, and this instrument, the organ, in and of itself, yeah. plays such a huge role yeah. in gospel yeah. music, religious music. It's a African American experience, but that's that's what it comes out of. So talk to us a little bit about what that was like. So I lived in. Uh, Bushwick, which is uh, now it's kind of like a trendy part of Brooklyn or mm -hmm. kind of fancy, but 12 years ago it definitely wasn't. The church I went to was three stops on the on the subway away from my house. It was really, really nearby. And it's a church where this organist who's been a hero of mine, and he's, he's very famous by now. His name is Corey Henry, one of the best organ players to have ever lived. Younger than me, by the way. Amazing, <laughs> amazing cat. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he does it all, produces music, plays every instrument, sings. Mm -hmm. it, it, he's phenomenal. And it was him and his two brothers. I mean, it, they're sons of his godfather. Jay White, Carlin White, and their father, Jeffrey White, being the pastor. So I came in. Church is not big, so I stick out. Little place? It's, well, it's not little, but it's not big either. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's not like there were hundreds of people. In there. And this is like within the first six months of me being in New York. So... My English wasn't really all that. Black English is different mm -hmm. than, than the general English in, in the States. Black church English. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know what they were talking about <laughs> at all. It sounds like a great experience already. I had, I, like, <laughs> two-thirds of the time, I had no idea yeah. what Bishop was talking about. But in, like, 30 minutes, I was dancing. I was crying. Wow. I was, whatever I was feeling mm -hmm. was so thick yeah. and so present that I just, uh, I just got pulled in. And the music was incredible. It was it was like a miracle. I had never seen musicians play like that until that point. Mm -hmm. It was just incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, whoever's watching, check out Corey Henry at Greater Temple of Praise. There's a few videos from 10 years ago. And it's it's just unbelievable. And especially for me, because at that point, nothing like that ever existed in Prague. You know, now with YouTube and, and you know information being spread 
way faster through the internet, people know about more things than, than they knew back then. Now I was in Prague actually hanging out with a generation of musicians 10 years younger than me. They all know about it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's great because, you know, now they're like asking me about the experience and they're hungry for it. Yeah. And, it and it feels good to see that, you know, they're informed. I was totally uninformed yeah. and I came in. It changed my life. So one of the things that I studied very much so in my dissertation was the ability for music to travel and to permeate these barriers that people mm -hmm. love to put up. Mm -hmm. National barriers, mm -hmm. cultural barriers, yeah. racial barriers, all this stuff. For you, a young Czech kid coming into a black church and you're hearing all this tremendous music and it moving you to tears and connecting you in such a way with these people and these communities and this tradition. It comes out of this place, you know, and all the yeah. horrors of this place, yeah. but also all the successes and the perseverance and the resistance. That, to me, is human. And it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. That's the most one of the most beautiful things about music and art, that it just it can connect you and Absolutely. change your life. And what you just said about the ability of uh, for you to go back to the Czech Republic and then share your experiences with kids who already are aware of it, what a wonderful change, right, compared to what you what you grew up, you know? It is. I mean, in a way, it kind of takes away this element of surprise. I know that the, the, the young kids from the Czech Republic won't really be able to have that experience that I had. The shock. The, the shock and the, <laughs> the life-changing. Yeah. It's still amazing, but it's uh, it's not that huge of a surprise. So in a way, I kind of feel sorry for all the young kids today that they won't get to experience that. There's no anticipation no more for anything because anything you want, you can just look it up and you find it. But at the same time, it really helps spread the information. And, and, um, but don't so, you think, even if they have been watching YouTube videos, don't you think that when they first walk into that church for the first time and they hear this, they can still have that kind of transformative that. experience? It, in a way, yes. Specifically in Europe, there's always been hunger and interest in jazz and funk. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like a lot of times Europeans were not are not really able to generate it in the same way. I'm saying it respectfully, being a European. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's a little better. But I don't think it's because Europeans are necessarily not that good of musicians. They're great. Learning music, part of big part of learning music, in my opinion, is being present in the room when it's created mm -hmm. and feeling the energy and being to, able to observe the physical aspects of creating a specific sound. That would apply to any style of music if you're really trying to play it authentically. I mean, listening to records is one thing, but you can't really get it off record the way you get it if you're actually in the room and, um, you know, talk about life, yeah. eat the same food. Like, mm -hmm. that's, that's where the sound also comes from, from yeah. real life. You know, understand understand the reality of the people that are creating the music that you're trying to that you're trying to learn. Absolutely. On that note, rest in peace to Larry Harlow. He just passed. I don't know if you saw her. Yeah. He was yeah. a tremendous, actually Jewish piano player that made a name for himself playing Caribbean music, salsa music. I always like to say that salsa is from New York because that's, you know, Willie Colon and all the people. That's where it happened in New York. But it is Caribbean music, you know, like the roots of Caribbean. But he passed actually today. So rest in peace. And rest in peace. He left such a tremendous legacy. And, you know, salsa music, Caribbean music, you're completely right. I mean, one of the most important lessons I learned was coming up in the Bay and having people actually scream back to you <laughs> that they're listening and they don't like what they're hearing because you're messing up their dance music, right? Like, you can't get that from listening to a record, playing with a record. There you go. You know? There's nothing worse than a, than a grandma in church coming up to you that she has no idea about, about music, about the mechanics of music whatsoever. Mm -hmm. She's just like, yeah, it doesn't really feel right. Huh? <laughs> And you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. But you know that you need to make her feel the way she wants to feel mm -hmm. in church. Mm -hmm. In terms of practice or studying or, or trying to acquire whatever skill or sound or aesthetics, 
She doesn't care about that. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to what you were saying. It's tremendous amount of skill acquisition and, and acquiring taste yeah. and, and, and marinating yourself in a specific sound and a specific feel to be able to generate it for, for people that don't really care about it. They just want to feel good because they're used to it a certain way. Mm -hmm. That was one of the most amazing breakthroughs also I had. I was like, yeah, this this, this is it. I got I to make sure it feels good. I mean, right now, as strange as it sounds, I'm like diving deep into um, house music production. Mm -hmm. And it's mainly because I, I ended up hanging out with a lot of the people from the dance community in Prague when I was there. Because there's, first of all, they're a lot of fun to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they're way more informed about the music that I learned to love mm -hmm. while being in the States. Talk about EDM? Not necessarily EDM, also like New Jack Swing and, and funk and oh, all okay. that. Right now I'm listening to a lot of Disclosure and I just love all their stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it's uh, very musical, very funky. Yeah. And production is, today is so involved and it's, it's a challenge that I'm, you know, I'm up for. So. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm into it. So you're delving into all that stuff. Yeah, and also, also kind of interested in, in uh, figuring out how to perform live with some gear for people that are dancing, yeah. not for people that are listening, but for people that are dancing. Yeah, I've, I've done a lot of performing for people that are listening, and I, I'll never stop. Mm -hmm. But now I'm kind of interested in, in that other aspect of it. It's a different animal, man. How do you? It's an entirely different animal. How do you connect with somebody? Uh, and it's um. Well, it's, it's, it's a struggle. I, I called a, a great European producer, and we're talking about specifically EDM. The only reason why he like, was even into like talking to me was like was because I told him yeah, I play organ for Gregory Porter. He was like, oh, well, I guess you know what you're doing. <laughs> what, do you need, what do you need help with? Yeah. And so we talked about it. I was like, well, kind of everything. You know, drums don't sound as alive as I know them from the radio and, and like synths or, you know, synth automation and all that. I was like, well, you know, it's like when you were learning how to play the organ. You didn't like just start playing the organ the way you do now. Mm -hmm. It was a struggle for a few years and then you kind of started figuring things out. It's going to be the same with production. Just struggle through it. There's no shortcuts. Right, exactly. And that's that's some, that's another aspect of this kind of music, especially pop music that perhaps a lot of people don't understand. That you know, it's very easy for people to go buy a single or buy an album, Rihanna, right, whatever, Bad Bunny. But there's a whole team of people behind these projects, right? And there's people who just focus in on how do we want the drums to sound, not what they're doing, not the rhythms. Sound is how do we get them to sound the right way? How do we get them to hit the right way at this particular part of the song? How do we get the overall what musicians call mix to really hit this tremendous levels many many levels of all this artistry right that a lot of people aren't aware of for many reasons right i think streaming is part of this you know that's there's no reason to read liner notes anymore there's no reason you know yeah but it's it's very very difficult and with pop music you know i feel the same way there's a lot of pop music that i love for the simple fact that it just sounds amazing it's so period. good it's so yeah. involved but it doesn't sound like it's involved yeah, exactly. So then you watch some breakdown videos, and it's like it's like five layers at the same time to create this one sound. One sound. But it's to the listener's ears, it's just one sound. Yeah. You think there's only four things going on at the same time, while wow, there's like twenty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting. I mean, I'm interested in it right now, which you know, it's kind of far away from what I've been doing so mm -hmm. far, but. That's good. I guess I just like it. Yeah. yeah. Talk to us a little bit more about some projects you have coming up, because I know that you've done a lot of work with Gregory, as you said, who does a lot of, uh, I guess we can say jazz, but there is there is like gospel soul in it. You know, he kind of does what he does on your part of that sound. And I think that's how I was able to keep my position and has been 
because I'm informed about mm-hmm. jazz, church, soul yeah. a little bit. There was this guy, his name, his name is Billy Preston. He wrote the song, You Are So Beautiful, Joe Cocker. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Made it famous, but Billy Preston wrote it. Billy Preston played organ on all the Ray Charles records mm-hmm. and all the Aretha Franklin records. Oh, and all of that. And oh. he just invented this whole sound of sometimes not even really being all that hurt, hurt that much, but just fattening things up mm-hmm. and being felt. That's something I love. Yeah. And being a Gregory's band allows me to do that. So, Perfect. so that's great. We just recorded, it's a short album. We recorded five songs mm-hmm. and I'm hoping we'll start touring again. Nice. You know, it looks yeah. like we will. We've already done a few shows. We did a few last week. Doing another one next week, another one the week after that. And then after mid-September, we're supposed to be back out on the road. Nice. I'll see. Yeah, who knows? There's another project that I put together, mainly because I was hanging out in the Czech Republic Mm -hmm. and there were some people interested in me playing live. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really feel like doing the old thing that I did 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. The straight ahead jazz thing. Well, I love those guys. It's great music, but I kind of felt like doing something else. So I put together a little funkier band, this time with a bass player, Mm -hmm. so that I don't have to be so busy with my (laughs) foot. And I'm using a vocoder. I sing like two songs through a vocoder. So it's like this, kind of electronic sound. So there's a record coming out early next year. Then there, there's a project also in Prague that I produced three years ago. I co-wrote the music with this artist and uh, we just did a tour last month. <laughs> this this guy's last name is is spelled D-Y-K. It's pronounced Dick. Dick. Yeah. Dick Voigtel, right? There you go. Yeah. So uh-huh. DYK, that's that's the project. It's pretty, it's pretty big. We did we did a nice tour. Nice. He you know he invested a lot of money in it, so it looked good, sounded good. Great. Yeah, I saw a bit of it. Yeah, it was and then there's a, a project that's very very dear to my heart, the Kennedy administration. It's a band that me and my friend Kennedy, this female singer from Chicago, we formed it six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Released an album in 2016, I think, and we have another one coming up. So nice. cool. Yeah, I'll get to see her next week. And we have like seven songs recorded. Wow. I think my production has evolved since then, so I kind of want to redo everything. Yeah, <laughs> so just like think? use all that we have, but kind of bring it up to today. To par. Yeah. So that was the Organic Quartet, right? Organic Quartet was the first one back home. Great, by the way. I saw some. Oh, thank you. Thank Fantastic. You. I like this. It's, it's cool. It's very jazzy, very old school. Yeah. You know, straight ahead. But funky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's organ. It's always gonna be yeah. There's always gonna be that element, grit, that that grit, yeah, yeah. That dirt. So there's that. Mm-hmm. There's the there's the new project that I'm calling Greatest Hits 4000, which is you know it's kind of a play on words. It's instrumental music. We'll never have any greatest hits. But, yeah, <laughs> greatest hits uh, Why not? Uh, okay, I do not believe that, but okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> there's DYK, there's Kennedy Administrations, Gregory Porter. Busy. Uh, Busy. yeah. You also have a talk show, or uh, you're good. You want a talk show? You have a radio show. I have a I have a radio show every week on the Czech national radio. It airs in the Czech Republic. There will I, be a talk show one day. And, putting it out and there. I hope so. I'm kind of putting it out there in the universe. I would love eventually to have a TV talk show about music. Man, you be the next Jimmy Kimmel. You bust out with the. <laughs> the last question I want to ask, man, as someone who plays this music on such a high level and are sharing it, you know, with so many different people through all of your work, both in the Czech Republic and here. How do you see yourself in all these traditions? Because I, I see you as someone, in many ways, like as an ambassador in a really, really cool way, and what I see as a polycultural way. You know, you're this it's an interesting question. I actually never really thought about it that way. And I guess I should start thinking in those terms because I'm getting older, puberty's over. <laughs> I start thinking a little more strategic because I, everything I've, I've done was just out of really being in love with it. So 
I don't know. And I don't, I kind of don't even care if it doesn't fit. One thing I noticed now being in the Czech Republic for being there for almost a year is that there is a hunger for some of the information that I've acquired mm -hmm. during my stay in, in the United States. And the people are getting it very quickly and it just kind of made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It just took a little bit of, of me pointing them in the right direction and they got it. And that was very satisfying in many ways. Even though I never considered myself an educator, I actually was never even interested in teaching. A lot of times people hit me up like, do you give private lessons? Yeah, I'm always like, you know, I feel like I need, I'm the one who needs to learn, so mm -hmm. not really. And then every now and then I do give lessons and it's good, it feels good. But then I also, like, I'm terrible at planning this out, so I like give them all the information and then they, <laughs> they can probably just work on it for a year. And, yeah. So that was one element that I, you know, you said, how do I see myself fitting in this tradition? Maybe I can bring some of what I've been able to acquire with maybe rubbed off on me while hanging out here mm -hmm. maybe i can bring some of it over yeah and make it better for those people that are interested yeah support in, those people yeah support those people because yeah. unlike most of them i do have a first-hand experience and that's tremendous you know that's one of those things where even that just sharing the things that you've seen and felt that's super super powerful yeah. you know and for let's say there's some young kid trying to learn organ and you come and you explain all of this the way that you explained it here you might change that person's life just like that, you know, so mm -hmm. simply. Well, please, to end, why don't you tell us where everyone can follow you on social media, where they can listen to this radio show. Okay. Check. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the rare case that you speak Czech, it's on the Czech National Radio's website. It's every Friday, 6 p.m. Central European time. It's in the archives, too. Social media. It's Andre with an O-O-N-D-R-E space J. Mm -hmm. My last name is Pivek, P-I-V-E-C. That's my Instagram and that kind of links to everything else. Great. YouTube, same thing. Spotify. I have a website, Andre Music, O-N-D-R-E-J music.com. And then get Gregory Porter's records. Yeah. You can hear my organ play. Look out for the their organic quartet, right? Mm -hmm. Best Hits 4000? Is that what it was? Greatest Hits 4000, next Great. year. Next, next year? year? Yeah, next uh, year. There's an album that I made a few years ago in New York called the, the Green Card Album. The Green Card. <laughs> I got my green card. Oh, well, yeah. okay. Well, thank you so much, man. This was great. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at People Plus Art. That's P-E-O-P-L-E-P-L-U-S-A-R-T on Instagram to keep up with the latest and with all of our upcoming episodes. You're listening to original music performed and composed by Tonga Rasmao. All of his social media links will be posted in the show notes so you can connect with him if you might want to collaborate or listen to more of his amazing music. Be sure to like and be sure to share. We're always looking for recommendations for who you want me to speak to next. So if you might have an idea for a great artist, doesn't matter what the discipline is, shoot me a message on Instagram.